Let's pray and read verses 16 through 18, the last paragraph of chapter 4. Father, we come before your throne, the author and the finisher of our faith. Lord, I just thank you for this beloved fellowship. Father, what they mean to me and my family and to one another. Father, may we never take each other for granted. And may we rest in the assurances and stand in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Father, as we look at our brother Paul in this very practical text on how to endure, Father, help us. Help us to have ears to hear. Help us to have eyes to see. And Father, help us to be encouragements to one another to walk in a manner worthy of the amazing calling that we have. Father, much is happening in our lives. And yet, uh, I pray, Lord, that you become the focus. And that, uh, Father, we uh, turn our passion unto you. To your glory and to your praise, in Christ's name. Verse 16, therefore, we do not lose heart, but though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal but the things which are not seen are eternal. The Apostle Paul is giving you and I, uh, in a very compact way, what does it mean to endure? When you think about endurance, we have people that we have had in our lives that we have seen them go through an, an amazing amount of suffering and turmoil and trial and tribulation. And, and we say, wow, that's... That's pretty awesome. But if you lay the Apostle Paul out to any mortal human being that you have ever dealt with, uh, there's nobody holds a candle to him. Uh, They can't even get close. uh, Because Paul endured for the gospel. Uh, and, 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 and I, I think about his, his transformation coming at, a, at an older age, not being a part of Jesus's earthly ministry, and then, you know, having to be taught in, uh, in the desert by Jesus himself for three years, and then having to come into the body of Christ, which he persecuted personally, uh, and having to cross that bridge with Barnabas to explain um, his conversion uh, and having to look at actually look at people that he may have arrested their loved ones uh, and maybe even been involved in their deaths. You think about him holding the cloaks of those who stoned Stephen, the first martyr for the church, and Paul was involved in it. Uh, Paul was on his way to Damascus to arrest Christians. He had letters from the Sanhedrin. Letters of arrest, and that was why he was going to Damascus. So when you look at how the church would view him at first, it would have to be terrible. I mean, we look at people and we see repentance, but now all of a sudden God's going to use this guy as a spokesman? Okay, and and then you look. I basically look at Paul when I think about him saying, we are but pilgrims passing through. And I think about his life, he didn't have a people anymore. The Jews hated him. They wanted him dead. The Gentiles, the Greeks, thought he was just a fool. 
And then I even look at how some in the church treated him. And you sit there and go, how can that be? And yet, he never wavered. He never stopped. He just kept right on going. Jesus has called me. I'm supposed to do this. And you can't shut me up. And I I look at his life and it is so evident that no amount of trouble was going to stop him. There was nothing going to happen that was going to make him quit. That phrase we looked at last week there in verse 16. We do not lose heart. We do not become timid. We do not become cowards. We do not lose our boldness. We're not going to stop. Scripture says he never did. And so when I look at these, this text right here, 16, 17, and 18, looking at it in the flow of the letter to the Corinthians, when I look at it, what he's contrasting, the fact that you and I have a ministry of the new covenant, then we understand that that ministry will cause offense. If you look at the Lord Jesus Christ, people either loved him and wanted him or they hated him and wanted him dead. So how would his representatives be viewed? Okay, his true representatives are going to be viewed the same way. Okay. When I look at this and I look at point one, the spiritual over the physical strength, I look at. The evangelical community, I look at brothers and sisters in Christ uh, in all phases. Um, Some in leadership positions, teaching positions, uh, some who are infants in Christ, uh, young men in Christ, um, toddlers in Christ. And and so, you know, you, you, you look at the broad, the broad picture. And. I guess the thing that I always come back to, and I kind of touched on it when I was dealing with our our Russian brethren. um, What do we value? Okay. um, And I'm not talking about these are my moral values or things like that. I'm talking about what is important to you. Okay. That you have a value to it. Okay? And that's what I'm looking at here because there's times that I put a value on something. That will be something that I can put my faith in, my strength in, my ambitions in, my passions in. What it, you know, and it can be anything. I mean, if you're really honest with it, um, it It's all over the place. Verse 16 lays a foundation for us is, do I have more value on the spiritual things or on the physical things? Okay, now this text is different than verse 18. 
Okay, because there's a difference between having a spiritual strength or a physical strength, and there's a difference between having a focus, uh, a value of enduring based on the eternals over the temporals. Okay, and and we'll get those in the weeks to come. I read this text. We do not lose heart. We do not become cowards. We do not become timid. Alright? But there's a phrasing here that comes next. He says this, but though our outer man is decaying, okay? The word but though um, can be translated even if, even when, uh, uh, the word since, since our outer man is decaying, or even when our outer man is decaying. Okay? And, and what he's saying here is that even though this is happening, what else is happening? Our inner man is being renewed when? Day by day. So you know what he just did? Here is that outer man. Here is the inner man. All right, so the first reason the Apostle Paul was able to endure anything, anything that came to him in the physical realm, the emotional realm, or the spiritual realm, is because he was more concerned about what was happening in him than... To him. You get that? And you will sit and say, well, yeah, I'm always more concerned about my spiritual being than I am my physical being. And I would have to say, I love you, but I think you're lying to yourself. Because I haven't seen it. I've been getting a little brave here lately in in, in my prayer time with the Lord. Be, Be nervous. Be afraid. Be very afraid. I have been thinking and and talking to the Lord about it, and I I already know what his answer is, but he's not swayed me yet. (laughs) I know none of you guys ever fight with the Lord like that, but I'm trying to grow there of having 24 hours of prayer, having each person take one hour, and it has to be sacrificial. You have to come and do it. But I have this fear that says that I'll get stuck with 13 hours. (laughs) And you guys get the day. (laughs) So, and there's a part of me that says, you open your mouth. (laughs) So, you got from 9 o'clock at night till 10 (laughs) a.m. All right. How do we endure? Because we all sit this day and say, you know what? Yes, I am very much concerned about my spiritual, my inner person, my inner being, my inner renewing. And yet, if you're really honest with yourself, I'll ask you a simple question. How much time do I spend in concern over my physical place Versus my spiritual place. You ever thought about that? Because we spend time on both. 
But if you were to get you a timeline or a graph or whatever you might be into and you laid them out, how much time do I worry about my physical versus my spiritual? The Apostle Paul here gives you something to think about. It's really kind of cool. But though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. The Apostle Paul was more concerned about what was happening in the spiritual than he was in the physical. The ladies, I think it was last month, did a, a, a study on the prayers of Paul. You know the amazing thing about the prayers of Paul? He never prayed for anything temporal. He never prayed for anything physical. You ever think about that? He was always praying for the spiritual, for the eternals. That's an amazing thing when you think about it, because listen to our prayers. Okay, so the phrase here, but even if... Or since is an introduction to a condition. Okay? In the Greek structure, this wonderful thing, it drives my wife nuts when I talk about it. It's the syntax. And she goes, what? I was like, well, you can try to imply it, but the syntax says this is its structure and it doesn't change. We had this discussion. I'm going to tell on her right now. Therefore, verse 16, she says, well, why didn't you put it in with the other part? I said, well, because it's a new paragraph in the syntax. And she says, well, why didn't you just put it in with the other part of it? And I was like, because it's a new paragraph. (laughs) But why didn't... It's a change of thought. Okay, why? That's what the syntax says. So he's given us a condition here. In the condition, because it's biblical, it is assumed to be true. In the Greek... Construction, you literally could translate this section. Since it is true that the outer man is decaying. Since it is a fact that the outer man is decaying. In fact, our outer man is decaying. We have to deal with that. And listen, you know what's amazing about that? Who's going to argue against it? Well, mine's not decaying. You don't have no mirrors in your house. (laughs) I've been witness. And I've noticed that some decay quicker than others. A fact that our outer man is decaying and we need to deal with that. Why? It's part of enduring. I am dealing with an eternal ministry in an extraordinarily flawed container. The container is decaying. I remember all this stuff. You know, I watch people exercise. Uh, My wife and daughter like to exercise. I like to think about it. Okay, it works really good for me. I can work up a sweat going, wow, that was brutal. (laughs) Well, I thought I might run a marathon. But it was what they call a fleeting thought. Okay? Verse 10 of this text, chapter 4, he says, We always carry around in the body the dying of Jesus. 
Okay, what is he talking about there? It is manifest in our bodies. That, that is our body. That is the outer man. If you look at verse 11, we who live are constantly being delivered over to death's sake for the life of Jesus so that it is manifest in our what? Mortal flesh. This is the, the body. Verse 7 of that text. Remember, we are in earthen vessels. We are in mortal vessels. We are in perishing vessel. That is, that is the part of you and I that will cease to exist. Because he will deal with the part of you and I that doesn't in the next section. What is the next section? The inner man is strengthened. That's the inner man. That's the eternal part. Let's be realistic. Well, you know, I'm going to be realistic. Do you really want to spend eternity in the container you're in? And if you do, knock yourself out. (laughs) In the Greek syntax of this, in the construction of this thought, he uses terminology that shows that it is a continual process. We are continually decaying. We are continually in the process of dying. Here's the difference between the Apostle Paul writing that and you and I this day. Paul gets it. I'm not sure we do. I'm not sure we do. There is a normal process of aging. Isn't there? And you know what? Um, You can buy creams or surgeries. You can do all of these other things. Still don't change the fact that you're aging. I don't care what you do to it. The container is getting old. The normal process of aging, don't we understand it? You know, I tell people, um, this week I was doing a, a bunch of, bunch of real tall ladder work. And, uh, the guy says, well, you know, you said you were in your fifties and you kind of get up and down on that, you know, pretty good. And I mean, you set up there, you got one foot and you're hanging on the eve and kind of weird stuff like that. And he says, you know, you, you don't act like you're 50. <laughs> My wife told me about that too. But anyway, um, and I said, you know, I can do everything I did when I was 20. It just takes me forever to heal. <laughs> I mean, it's like, you know, I stretch it or tear it. And oh, geez, <laughs> here we go. Um, it's just not coming back together as fast as it came apart. And to one degree of joy or to another, we all understand the aging process. Some of us don't handle it very well. Some of us do handle it very well. And some of us just are in and out and in and out and in and out. You know, one day it's a good aging process. The next day is, oh my gosh, what has happened? And, and I guess if I really am honest with myself, this is not going to be one of the more encouraging messages you're going to hear from me. <laughs> because uh, when we think about the aging process... Sometimes it's just really not that happy a thought. 
The problem is, it's an undeniable reality. You know, when I think about this, you know, that the outer man is decaying. There's a part of me, and you guys know me, many of you know me very well, that I look at this as humorous. Okay, and everybody says, yeah, he, he wants a sick puppy. But anyway, he hasn't looked in the mirror either, has he? I, but here's how I look at it. When you were younger, what did you want? To be older, right? And when you got older, you wanted to hit the reset button. Hey, wait a minute. <laughs> this happened quicker than I thought it was going to. You know, I got a little email note that says that my high school class reunion is coming. And it couldn't be to me because that is way too many years ago. So I don't know who they were sending. It must have been to, oh, wait, wait, my brother's younger than me. Huh. And I'm sitting there going, what? <laughs> wait a minute. Why would I want to get with a bunch of you people? Yet that's what we do. We want to be older. And then as we get older, we want to be younger. And I read this and Paul says, I don't care what you want. The outer man's decaying. <laughs> and it and it doesn't matter the age. Well, but you don't understand. They're just in the first grade. They're decaying. As soon as they poof, do the cry thing, look, they're breathing. Guess what? It's going downhill. It's going downhill. Cheerful thought, isn't it? I thought it might be interesting to see what the Bible says about it. Okay, because that, you know, because then everybody can say, well, he's just being jerk and trying to bum us out. But if I bring the Bible to look at it, um, <laughs> you can say God's being a jerk. <laughs> and, I, and I'm just the foghorn that said, hey, guess what? God's a jerk. <laughs> you should all go there because I don't want you to think I'm making this up. Okay. We have a section in our Bible that are called the wisdom letters. And um, and they are. They're amazing. Okay. But one of the things I've noticed is uh, Solomon wrote most of the wisdom, the Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon. But you can see Song of Solomon. Okay. And, and every woman that I know says, when I get married, let's spend our honeymoon reading that. And I'm like, yeah, okay. Because <laughs> after your fifth anniversary, you're going to be reading Ecclesiastes. <laughs> Well, you are. <laughs> so, 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 so you better read it once, because after that, it goes downhill, man. And, uh, and so if you were just wondering about the outer body decaying, go to Ecclesiastes 12. <laughs> and when I think about Solomon, you know, chronal in the book, Ecclesiastes, it comes before the Song of Solomon. I bet he didn't write them that way. I bet he wrote Song of Solomon, then toward the end of it, he's like, vanity, vanity, it is all vanity. Um, and, and it is, okay? But I want you to look at 12, because 12 is an interesting take on aging. Um, 
was reading one author and he says, this is a wonderful picture of death. Really? <laughs> and I was like, well, make sure I preach that under that title. Verse 1, chapter 12, Ecclesiastes. Remember also your creators in the days of your youth. Before the evil days come and the years draw near, when you will say, I have no delight in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and clouds return after the rain. He's saying here, you need to turn to God when you're young. Okay? You need to do that before you get old. Because when you get old, do you know what happens? Life gets hard. And he says, you're better off if you start early with the Lord. So when know this, life is going to get hard. Life is going to get hard. And you sit there and you go, well, this is a king writing this. How hard can it be? How many wives did he have? (laughs) I don't have to argue nothing else. Okay? I just, I'm just telling you. You're, you're not tough. I'll stop. I share this because we need to ask ourselves because hey, there's times, you watch our society right now, we believe that as we get older, then we get ready for what? Retirement. And we do what? We just play. We become snowbirds. You know, we'll go south in the winter and north in the summer, right? And we're just going to live out our our life. You know, everybody that I know that's in my family, as soon as they retired within six months, had a heart attack. And I, you, know, you sit there and go, well, sign me up. Um, you know, what happens? You just unplug and I quit. I don't know how that works, but you listen to everybody and that's what they're doing. We're, we're working now so that we can have golf and boating and I can go see my grandchildren when I want to, not when they want me to. Okay. And then I can be portable in my address so I won't be so annoying to them. Right. I can live my life as I design it. Ain't that what it says? Have you read this? Verse 3. In the day that the watchmen of the house tremble. Okay, the watchman in the house. Who's that? It's the protector. He's the one who defends the home. And now what is happening to the watchman in the house? The tremble. I found myself the other day, I was upon a ladder, I was changing these light fixtures. This was pretty up high. And I, many years I was an electrician. And I, for whatever reason, everybody puts all their electricity up high. Um, you know, I don't understand why electricians ain't like nine feet tall, but they carry ladders. But you're up on the ladder and all the rest of it. And I found myself doing a lot of work over my head. And all of a sudden I reached up, I had a screwdriver in my hand and I was going to 
put in a bracket, and I started to notice my hand was just shaking, just like that. Okay? And I was sweating, had water running off of me and all the rest of it, and I thought, what in the world? But I had spent so much time working with everything up above your shoulders that, you know, about four hours into this thing, all of a sudden I was just shaking, and I thought, why am I reading Ecclesiastes? <laughs> I guess it's better than Job. <laughs> but the harms in their hands of the watchmen, the watchmen who used to protect, they begin to what? Tremble. They shake. They're not as steady. They're not as strong. And if you're really honest with yourself, as you age, would you argue with that? You can. I'll snicker. I'm not as strong. I'm not as strong. I find myself, one of the annoying things of working off of ladders as an electrician is probably the single greatest annoyance is dropping things. Okay, because you got to go all the way back down and you didn't get bring two. Okay, so you got to go all the way back down and pick it up, and then you go all the way back up, and sure enough, you put the little screw in there, and there it is again. Lord, I'm about to say a whole bunch of little dirty words. But you can't do it because you, you find yourself shaking. Look what it says, verse 3. The watchmen of the house tremble. And it says, the mighty men, what? They stoop over. You know what I've learned in, in, in my life? Gravity doesn't stop. Gravity is an unrelenting force. And if you leave it alone long enough, what happens? It will bend you over. You will stoop. Your legs will be weakened. Then it says, the grinding ones stand idle because they are few. Okay, well, when I first read that, I kept thinking, well, the guys who would take uh, the chaff and the wheat and they would grind it into the mill that would make the bread and all the rest of it, and, and you just start running out of it. And then I started looking at some Hebrew literature, and boy, did I miss that interpretation. You know what the grinding ones are? Teeth. And they're not working as hard. Why? I'll let you read it. Because <laughs> they are few. <laughs> you start out with baby food and you end with baby food. <laughs> they are few. Verse 3 also says, The grinding ones stand idle because they are few. And those who look through the windows grow dim. You know what the windows of the soul is, don't you? The eyes. I wear glasses now uh, to to read. I've been for a few years, actually. And, you know, I do a lot of reading, so I I do this. And what I have learned is um, I stay out of stores if I don't have my glasses with me. Because if I'm looking for something that I'm not really sure of, I can't read the label. 
But I mean, my arm just ain't that long. I just hold it out there, put it on a shelf and go back like this. And everybody says, what's that man doing in now? Can I take a picture? Leave me alone. Um, okay, but I can't see it. And I, I mean, my distance vision is not bad. But um, when it comes to trying to read something, um, if it ain't on big print, <laughs> forget it. So uh, the other day I was looking for some rubbing compound. And uh, I was down the whole aisle, and they all have the same-looking little can. But I had to find one that had great big R, U, because I didn't want wax. I don't want cleaner. I don't want sealer. I want rubbing compound. And they all come in the same green can. And I thought, well, I'll just buy this self. (laughs) And I should have it covered. The windows grow dim. You don't see as well. Look what else it says. Verse 4. The doors on the great street are shut as the sound of the grinding mill is low and one will arise in the sound of a bird and the daughters and all of the daughters of song will sing Softly. What happens is, as we age, we... And I don't really have a better way of saying this, so I'll just say it this way. We want to be left alone. Why? Well, I can't see that well. Having a problem digesting my food. And then it says the daughters are singing lightly like a bird. Okay? Little things distract us now. Okay, but my hearing ain't that good. All of the daughter singing gets a little fainter, a little fainter, a little fainter, a little fainter. And and it, then it says a slight sound will awaken us like a bird. Okay, sleeplessness. Uh, some of you guys know John. John gave me a big old thing full of uh, I don't know what they call that stuff to help you sleep. Melatonin. It's supposed to help you. And so I took one. I woke up at 1 o'clock in the morning ready for the day. I took two. I woke up at 1.15 ready to start the day. I took three. I woke up at 1.25 ready to start the day. I took four. I made it to about 1.28, 29, 1.30 to start the day. And I decided I had to eat this whole bottle to get eight hours of sleep. <laughs> and then I'd probably wake up with a bellyache. But it's just part of it. You know, Paige says, well, if you don't go to sleep here, if you don't do that, if you do do this, you do. You know, it doesn't matter. If I go to bed at 11 o'clock at night, I'm up at 1. I'm just grouchy. <laughs> what I mean. All right? And it, it's just what happens. And then there's, you cruise through the day, and all of a sudden, hey, I think I'm going to take a nap now. Why? Because <laughs> I, I feel like it. Okay? It's part of aging. Everything becomes soft. Everything becomes muted. Uh, and, and, and I got I got tired of saying what, huh? Okay. You know, because it was it just it's just annoying. Okay, so you know what I do? I just smile. You got no idea what she said. <laughs> she seems real happy about it though. <laughs> I wonder if I just bought a Cadillac. <laughs> 
But we do that. And listen, brothers and sisters, I want you to understand what you're reading here. Who wrote this? God did. God did. Read on. Furthermore, men were afraid of high places and of the terrors of the road. You know what? We don't want to fall. Why? As you get older, when you fall, you don't bounce no more. You just break things or you strain things. Right? And, 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 and it says that men don't want to do this. They're afraid of high places. Um, I came to Colorado many years ago to climb mountains. You know, and I, and I thought about it a few years ago. I was hiking up uh, the lake at the bottom of um, um, east face of Long's Peak. Uh, I climbed the east face of Long's Peak. It's called Diamond. And um, it's an amazing thing because it's vertical rock, 1,200 feet vertical. And then all of a sudden you dawned on you, it ain't vertical. Okay, vertical is 90 degrees. The problem is, is if you got a guy above you with the rope or something like that, rope is out here. And you sit there and you look at that and you think, what's wrong with this picture? You know, and a guy was driving me, I remember a guy was lowering me down a thing full of water, and it was way out there. And I'm sitting there going, why is the water over there? Because normally you have a thing that you have to deal with that's called rope drag. As you're pulling up the ropes, it's laying against the rock. And you're just pulling and you're pulling and pulling. And all of a sudden it dawned on me, this stuff is out here. Why is it out here? Because it's beyond 90 degrees. Okay, now that's not the half of it. We were planning on doing this thing in one quick blast during the day and a storm rolled in on us and we had to spend the night on the face. So you have a sleeping bag and you got a rope, you tie off onto a pin, put the sleeping bag on, you got your harness on, right? Okay, and you got a, the rope that comes up through here and it's tied to something safe and then you zip up your little sleeping bag and then you get ready to relax and all of a sudden you hang just off of the wall and you spin a little bit this way you spin a little bit back that way you spin a little bit this way and you do that all night long thinking, boy, this is going to be restful. I walked up to the bottom of that, and I looked up there, and I thought, what in the world was I thinking? <laughs> Why? I don't want to go up there. Well, but no. Would you do it? No. No? Uh-uh. I ain't doing it. Yeah, no. I ain't going to do that ever again. And anybody does is a fool, because I already did it, and that's foolish. High places bother us. Terrors on the road. You watch young people and they see a little hump or something like that. They just go ding, 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 over it, right? I got older. I don't do that. I've played golf and they call them Lynx courses. And Lynx courses, you don't ever see what's on the other side. And I'm saying, I ain't hitting that. You know, so I'll walk up to the top of the hill, look over and go, all right, it goes around that way. All right, here we go. And then I go back to where my ball is and I'm smacking it. But I ain't hitting now where a blind hill. Why? What if a booger man or something's over and I hit him? I don't know. There'll be somebody in a golf cart and, oh, bet I made you happy, huh? Why? 
old man says, I'm not, not going to do that. You know, I remember taking a Jeep one time and going straight up the side of this hill, and I had no idea what I was getting ready to jump over. And praise God, there wasn't like another Jeep coming. And you know, go over and you do this thing, and all of a sudden it thumped and boom. You're like, wow, that's kind of cool. I was 20. It's kind of cool when you're 20. At 50, you're like, no way. If God wants me to go up and over that hill, He makes a road. We have terrors. We pay closer attention. Youth don't. They don't pay attention. They just go over. Look what else he says here. Terrors on the road. The almond trees blossom and the grasshopper drags himself along. Almond trees. You know what happens to an almond tree when it blooms? Turns white. Everybody, don't you call me an almond tree. <laughs> but they turn white. You know what that means? They're about done. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so I got to ask you, anybody encouraged on this message yet? Try the dragon grasshopper. You ever seen grasshoppers? The only time that I've ever seen a grasshopper dragging itself is when I stepped on its back legs. And then it drags itself. I'll move on with some of this. <laughs> For man goes to his eternal home. You know what that is, right? While the mourners go about in the street. We don't walk like we used to. We don't jump at all. And then we step into eternity. Remember him before the silver cord is broken. That would be, from a Hebrew perspective, that's the spinal cord. And the golden bowl, that's your noggin. That's where your brain's at. The pitcher in by the well and is shattered and the wheel of the cistern is crushed. This was to be your vascular system. The Jews understood that the life was where? In the blood. That's why the Jewish will not eat blood, drink blood. It's a sin to them. Heart and veins. The cistern is the heart. Verse 7 says, then the dust will return to the earth as it was. And the Spirit will return to God who gave it. The dust returns. That's old age. Let me ask you a question. Need any more pictures? Huh? Do you get the picture? Okay. And the truth of the matter is, just go through it real quickly and tell me it ain't happening to you. And I don't care what your age is. It's happening. And yet, I want to ask you a simple question. How much value do you put on that? Versus the eternals. The other day, I told you I spent a bunch of time up on the ladders. And uh, ladders are a wonderful thing. Whoever thought them up... It was probably about that tall. But anyway, um, I had about two days, three days in a row where I was spending a lot of time on ladders. And I do weird things on ladders. You're standing on one foot, on your tippy toe, on that, 
usually a step above where it says don't step above here. Okay, it just, you know. Anyway, you're doing that, and uh, I got done, threw all my junk back in the truck, and going to go home. And I reached down, and I, I got a stick shift, and I reached down, and I pushed on the clutch, and my knee was, good Lord, a shooting pain went through it, and I was like, what in the world has happened? Well, that can't be that big a deal. I hit second gear. Oh! <laughs> I'm going straight from second to fifth. <laughs> I don't care, chug-a-lug. I am not pushing on that pedal again. I find myself at home with one of them little things. When you open it to the air, it gets hot. And I wrap it around my knee, and then I hold a lighter to it. <laughs> okay, and it wasn't until, you know, most of the week it was that way. I was like, gee, many crickets. So I got on the motorcycle and rode because I just used my toe to shift gears there, and I didn't have to push in a clutch. Because we get old. You know what? And there's some of us, and when I look through this text here, some of us are living this illustration. If you're not already in the illustration, you're going to be. Because it concludes with a verse 8 that we've all heard that before. Vanities, vanities, says the preacher. All is vanity. So when you look at the Apostle Paul and he says, uh, you know, though our outer man is decaying, he understands Ecclesiastes and he understands his life. And he says, yeah, this is what happened. But he understands more than that. He It goes beyond the fact that, you know what, every moment we get older, but there's another part, he had a life that was speeding up the aging process. Someone said that it is better to wear out than it is to rust out. And Paul was literally wearing himself out. And you know what? In the body of Christ, how many are wearing themselves out for the things of Jesus Christ? I mean, he had roughly 60 years probably 30, a little more than that for the Lord. And during those time, he was wearing himself out in ministry. Most faithful man ever. He understood that he gave himself away for the cause of Christ. Period. In all things. So you have the aging process, then you have the other process. Another part of this quote-unquote decaying thing, you think about it, his enemies were trying to kill him, and yet in their process they were killing him almost daily. Homelessness really adds to longevity. Sleeplessness makes you feel younger. Beatings, emotional strain, physical strain, an unrelenting hostility persecution, beatings, whippings, and his daily concerns for the church was all adding to the decaying process and putting it on steroids. The attacks on his soul, the weariness, the emotion. And you know what? Part of the tragedy is even Christians 
were treating him unkindly. Think about the two letters that we're writing. They were writing them to a church. And they were just making him happy. He was a broken man at an early age, and he grew old before his time. Enemies had left their marks on him. Death was around him every day. The normal process of aging was added to the fact that he was pouring himself out for Christ. All this adds to the fact that when he looks at the temporal side, guess what? The outer man is decaying. Okay? I can guarantee you right now in this room, there's nobody who is pouring themselves out for the person of Christ like Paul. That is about as safe a thing as I'm going to ever say. They They ain't doing it. But I can also say that every one of us have a decaying process going on. Some of us are a little faster than others, but... And some of us, let's say, are, are not weathering as well. Boy, did that good, didn't it? And so when I think about enduring, I have to ask a simple question. Am I more concerned about the spiritual strength or am I more concerned about the physical strength? Because if you think about the physical strength, the Apostle Paul says, our outer man is decaying. It's rotting. And yet, even in that decaying process, even if you're pouring yourself out in exhaustion to the Lord Jesus Christ, even if the aging process is, you know what? It's being added to because I'm, I'm sleepless. I'm being added to because maybe I'm homeless or I'm in stress over this or stress. Or maybe, just maybe, my daily concerns for the church the emotional wear of that, the spiritual wear of that. And how much energy do I put into this decaying carcass versus the inner being renewed day by day? So when I look at how to endure, the first thing I have to say is, Here's where I am. Okay? This is my vessel. It is decaying. There is absolutely nothing I can do to keep it from decaying. I can put some really cute cream on it, or I can do this, or you can do that. You know, I'm, you can't stop it. You can't stop it. How much emphasis do I put on the inner man? And then the Apostle Paul, you read his, and we'll deal with this next week. It's being strengthened when? Day by day. Even though this one is being destroyed. It is rotting. Interesting thought. You thought ever thought about that? And we, we look just in this room here, we have different denominations of ages. Okay? And you know what? You can sit and say it. Some are just rotten faster than others. That's why I bought a can of rubbing compound. <laughs> Put it on my buffer, stick it on my head. 
Look, shiny. But how much energy do I put on strengthening of the inner man day by day? Because listen, the context here is what? How do I endure? If I put the emphasis on the strength on the inner man, the spiritual, I'm gonna, I'll deal with this and show you what it is. Then I have more ability to endure. It's really cool, guys. It is totally awesome. But I thought I'd just spin this on you and bum you out. So now if you want to be cheered up, you have to come to the Enderman next Sunday. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. Father, I thank you for the amazing things you're showing me. I pray that my brothers and my sisters will hunger and thirst for your righteousness. Well, Father, will press on to the upward calling of Christ. And yet, Father, as I look at my brother here, these amazing truths on enduring, Father, may we endure. Father, may our love for you grow with every single heartbeat you grace us and we become more in awe of who you are, what you've done, and what you are doing. And Father, regardless of this decaying vessel, we'd be looking at the inner man being strengthened to your glory and to your praise. Amen.